Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, August 29th. Governor General Mary Simon has racked up $3 million in travel in her first year on the job. Is this a good use of taxpayers' money? And what sort of structure is in place to ensure responsible spending for public officials? We tackle the topic with Franco Terrazano, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. How much is Canada spending on the public education system and how does it differ from province to province? We discuss the disparities across the country and whether more can be done to effectively fund the education system with Michael Zweigstra, Senior Fellow at the Fraser Institute. And finally, Calgary's Pride Week is now underway and will be capped off with the annual Pride Parade this weekend. We hear details on the many events taking place over the coming days with Anna Kinderwater, Manager of Communications with Calgary Pride. $3 million. That is the price tag of the Governor General's travel expenses in her first year in office. Joining us to comment on that sum is Franco Terrazano, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Good morning to you. Welcome back to the program, Franco. Hey, good morning, and thanks for having me on today. Thank you for being here. I'm going to play devil's advocate right out the out the gate here, Franco. The cost of everything has gone up. Travel is is outrageous. Hotel rooms, flights. So you think three million's too much? Oh, I sure do. And yeah, maybe the cost of beef Wellington has gone through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, you know where I'm going with that? Sure, the cost of things have gone through the roof, but come on, come on, come on. There is no way that the governor general and an entourage should be spending $100,000, almost, almost 100K on fancy airplane food during a week-long trip to the Middle East. Uh, of course, they were, they were dining on some fancy feasts like Beef Wellington with Raju, stuffed pork tenderloin, and then the governor general and their bureaucrats had the audacity to go to a parliamentary committee and tell Canadians that the food that they had was like normal airline food. Well, let me tell you, folks, you know, I've had the pleasure of being on Air Canada or WestJet. You can't even get Beef Wellington flavored chips, let alone the real thing. I mean, ugh, come I like the concept of the GG, right? But it, it's just been so over the top for however many of them, the last handful anyway. Didn't we learn this from, was it, who, was it Adrian Clarkson? Who was the one that, that really overspent? Well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, they're all overspending. Uh, you had Payette. Uh, Payette, that's who it was. It was Payette. Yeah. Didn't Julie we learn Payette. from that? We, we should have, right? Julie Payette, uh, the former governor general, she spent almost $3 million on travel in her first 29 months. Now, Payette was no penny pincher, and it took her 29 months to spend almost $3 million. Our now Governor General Mary Simon is spending almost $3 million on travel in 12 months. But you're right. Um, it, it really goes back decades, the waste at Rideau Hall, especially when it comes to international travel. David Johnston, uh, at least $2 million on international travel in his first two years. That included a $1,300 dinner on sushi, a $1,600 lobster dinner. You had Adrian Clarkson, $8.9 million on international travel over her term. And Mikhail Jean, about $9 million on international travel as well. Yeah, so a lot of money here, but I, I just want to go back to what you said at the beginning of my comments here. I'm glad you said that because I think, you know, regardless of where you stand on the monarchy and the monarchy's role in Canada, uh, can we all just agree that some of this extravagance is just out of hand? Mm -hmm. 
Are there no? I think we can. Yeah, I think we can. <laughs> if I if I went on a, a a trip, a work trip, I'd have a per diem. Uh, you know, I'd be able to submit my receipts when I return, and whether that's eighty bucks a day for meals, who knows? And whether or not it's indicated that I cannot have an alcoholic beverage with one of my meals, there are parameters in place. Are there absolutely no governors, no parameters in place for spending when it comes to the GG and these official visits? Well, I think there's two problems here, okay? And it's a lack of oversight in two places. One is actually within the bureaucracy. So the government employees who are tasked with putting together these trips, like we've got to use some common sense and common courtesy here, right? We we shouldn't be sending 30 people along with the governor general to Expo 2020 in Dubai, right? We don't need to be sending that many people. We don't need to be, it seems like, going out of our way to to get them on the fanciest rides, put them in the most uh, high-end hotels, and give them the most exquisite cuisine. We don't have to be going out of our way to do that when so many taxpayers back home are really, really struggling. But then the second part where there's a lack of oversight is political, right? At the end of the day, we elect members of parliament, we have ministers to look over the public purse, and our foreign affairs minister, Melanie Jolie, she's the one in charge of the governor general's international travel budget. I think it's time for Melanie Jolie uh, to step in here and say enough's enough. We're going to start cutting some of the budget here. Uh, clearly something has to be done. But, I mean, is, do most people, do you think, Canadians, do we like the governor general and the role that, that they, she, he, whoever it might be at the time, plays for our country? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I honestly don't know. I do know that more and more Canadians, every time they see these stories, are getting frustrated uh, because, like, how many people, and I laugh because if you don't laugh, you're crying, how many people right now are, are, are going to Safeway, are going to Superstore, are seeing the price of a hamburger meat and, and are really struggling, and then they go flip on the news, listen to the radio, read the newspaper, and see some of these types of trips. We mentioned the $100,000 on airplane food alone during a week-long trip. Um, the $71,000 spent on ice limos during a four-day trip to Iceland when the main hotel was about an eight-minute walk away from the main conference center. Right? So wow. you hear about some of this stuff, and I think people are just really, really upset because it almost feels like our leaders in Ottawa just either don't understand or don't appreciate how hard people work for the money they earn and the taxes they pay. Wow, incredible. Mm. Super timely topic because I know that we are all up against it and we'd like to know where our dollars are being spent. And you generally have a pretty good handle on where said dollars are being spent. Thanks for your time, Franco. We appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on today. It's Franco Terrazano, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Yeah, just talking about that money. Those bucks that are being overspent. We, Millions. We, we, talk, we just, in the past week or so, have talked about how tough it is to make those ends meet when mm-hmm. it comes to back to school. And again, like I get it, it's a representation of our country and there are things that, and events that, you know, that representative needs to go to, but not 30 people. How about the GG and a couple? That might cover it, right? And don't be extravagant while you're there. You don't need to take a, a, a limo for an eight-minute walk. $100,000 for in-flight catering. $100,000. How about you go to the superstore and you buy a bag of peanuts that you take on the plane with you because you can't get anything given to you while you're on the flight like the rest of us? Well, I don't know. If, if you ask me, $10,000 for in-flight catering sounds extreme. Mm-hmm. Hundred grand? It's all extreme. It is Arch. truly extreme, and, and that needs to stop.
And a new study is looking at how Canada's public education system is funded and how education differs across the various provinces. Joining us to talk about the latest Fraser Institute study ahead of the kids heading back into the classroom is Michael Zagstra, teacher and senior fellow at the Fraser Institute. Good morning, Michael. Thanks so much for being with us. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Can you break down, give us a little bit of a, a sort of background on what this report was looking for? Well, what this report does is it takes a look at uh, spending uh, per student uh, in each province across the country. And so what we did is we used uh, the year 2012-2013 as baseline using data from Statistics Canada and then uh, just tracking uh, spending on a variety of things and also total spending and uh, also adjusting for inflation. And so what we found was that uh, when you when you factor in things such as enrollment changes and focus specifically on per student, uh, is that in eight out of ten provinces, when you adjust for inflation, spending is still up per student well above the rate of inflation. In fact, uh, in Canada, the average is uh, an 8.3% per student increase when adjusted for inflation. The exception are two provinces, uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan, where in both provinces, spending well in Saskatchewan per Inflation adjusted spending per student is down 10% and down just over 11% in Alberta. So just to be clear, that doesn't mean that actual spending is down in Alberta. The actual spending is up, but when you factor in inflation over that nine-year period, uh, then spending per student is actually down. Okay, so being a standout, uh, being down in only a couple of provinces or territories in the country, uh, the exceptions uh, standing, uh, putting those aside, those provinces higher and above inflation, what drove the factors that increased the spending? Well, obviously in education, the major uh, expenditure, things such as salaries and benefits, it's around 75, 8%. Um, education is obviously a very human resources uh, heavy profession, so that's really not that surprising. Um, and uh, so we do see uh, significant increases in things such as salaries for teachers and in many cases other education workers. Uh, definitely increased expenditures on things such as uh, uh, teacher pensions. Obviously, governments have to contribute toward those. Spending is considerably up on that. And also on fringe benefits, which includes things such as pay for, for sick days and benefit plans and all of that. Uh, we found that uh, spending is considerably up in uh, those areas. And so those are some of the things that are driving the cost increases. And in turn, Michael, what would be some of the implications that this excess funding might have on Canada's education system? Well, the implication is very simple. The, one of the most common accusations that we hear from teachers' unions is that public education is underfunded. And, uh, you know, they say that, uh, uh, that, you know, schools are starved for cash, there's not enough money. And the reality is, is that, again, in 8 out of 10 provinces, um, public education spending, expenditures on it, which isn't all from just the provincial government because there's local funds and all that, but you put that all together, it still exceeds the rate of inflation in most provinces by a significant amount. And so it's very tough to make the argument that uh, public education is starved of funding uh, when the expenditures in public education in most parts of the country are exceeding the rate of inflation and exceeding it by a fairly significant amount. All right, so what recommendations uh, would you uh, see for poli- uh, policymakers? Would you like to put forward for the policymakers and educators uh, based on the study? Well, what I would recommend is that we, uh, uh, we take a hard look at what are the things that actually matter in schools. And so uh, just simply 
you know, the easy thing for governments to do, especially during election years, is, ju- is just to promise to spend more money uh, and say we're going to fix the problems by increasing spending. Well, if that was going to fix the problems and increase student achievement, it would have done it already. But when you actually look at uh, the standardized testing results across Canada, in most provinces, uh, those achievement tests, are, such as the Program for International Student Assessment, are actually showing a decrease in things such as reading and math and science skills. And so I think we need to focus on, uh, you know, how do we actually improve instruction? How do we encourage teachers to actually be in charge of their classrooms and actually have more content and focus on some of those academic basics? Uh, those are the things that actually improve uh, student achievement, not just simply spending more money, because spending more money by itself isn't going to fix the problem. So it seems maybe, Michael, then that the money is being spent in the wrong places. Is that what you're getting at? Well, I, I would say yes, that is certainly a, a significant part of it. I mean, if you if things aren't getting better and the spending is going up, then clearly uh, there's something that's not working. And so um, if, at a, at certainly we can say that more money isn't making things better. Do we know, and I, and I don't want to throw a curveball at you here, Michael, but do we know whether or not our public education spending and, and system and the structure behind it compares to, to other countries around the world? Or can we take cues from other countries and, and do things, you know, a little bit more in line with what they're doing if they're doing something right? Yeah, you know, I will say that compared to other countries, and Fraser Institute has put out some reports on this, um, Canada as a whole still does compare quite well compared to most other countries, including other countries in the G7. Um, and uh, and I'll say, because, I'm, because you guys know Alberta, Alberta is, is definitely still one of the best provinces. Nevertheless, Canada's overall standing, including individual provinces' overall standing, has been in decline for the last 20 years. We certainly see that on the last 20 years of PISA data. And so while we are still relatively good compared to other countries, uh, we, can't, we, we, we can't be complacent about it because we have seen declines uh, in some key skill areas. Michael, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks for breaking down the report. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Michael Zwagstra is a teacher and senior fellow at the Fraser Institute. Pride Week is underway. It's meant to be a fun celebration of love and inclusivity, but there are many in the community feeling anxious about their safety, concerned about the increase in recent crimes targeting the community. To talk about the good and the bad, we're joined this morning by the manager of communications for Calgary Pride, Anna Kinderwater. Good morning, Anna. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Let's start with the good because there's a whole lot of it. Lots to celebrate this year. Tell us what Calgary Pride has for our city this year. It is more than just the parade for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, right, everybody's focus is always the parade because that is a super huge and exciting element that um, obviously we bring to the city around Calgary Pride time. Um, But this year, we are really excited to be expanding to a two-day festival, and we will be returning to Prince's Island Park for this event. Um, And so for our Saturday, which is going to be September 2nd, we've got an 18-plus day. Um, and that's going to be from 2 to 6, and it's uh, a really exciting day. That's more for the adult crowd, people who are looking for more, a little bit, you know, risque performances. We're going to have our beer gardens for that. We're also introducing uh, a new sober garden space uh, that we're labeling the queer garden for folks who are trying to, you know, not collapse in sobriety or they just want to come out and celebrate and not feel obligated to drink alcohol. That's a space for them. And then we've got our All Ages Day on September 3rd, uh, and that's going to be just after the parade from 12 until later in the evening. We've got tons of fun All Ages activities that are going on throughout that day and a marketplace food vendors all that jazz uh, and it's going to be ending off with a movie in the park and we're really excited about this year 
Looking at uh, CalgaryPride.ca, Anna, it, it looks to me like it's, you know, take as much in as you want or just you know, kind of pick and choose. Is that the case? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, right, for some folks, um, the crowds can be overwhelming, you know, especially post-pandemic. Uh, so we just wanted to give folks an option, you know. So if you want to come out and your goal is to kind of, you know, have a couple drinks with some friends, um, you can do that on the Saturday. Or if you want to come and bring your family and bring your kids and whatever else and spend the whole day out in the sun, right, we're expecting beautiful weather, you can also do that on the um, Sunday. And Or if you want to come just for the parade too, right, that's an option. We also are going to be um, the parade starting at... 9th Ave and 5th Street uh, and heading its way towards the southeast is going to be ending in Fort Calgary. But we've got a couple options for folks who, you know, just want to follow the parade, but then maybe they want to go back to Princess Island Park. We've got some pedal, bu- pedal pubs to bring them back there. Um, we've got some walking routes with some activations along the way. So we've got lots of options for folks who, whatever they would like to do, we've got something for them. It is a ton of fun. And the parade, very family-friendly, very much fun. And Absolutely. as you said, goes Sunday, September 3, 11 till 1. And uh, you, uh, do you have an idea? of how many floats etc will be in the pride this year in the parade this year we have got 300 plus applications Ooh. this year i believe wow. so yeah it is going to be yeah it's going to be a great one we've got some we've got i believe um the calgary stampede marching band and things like that so the show band so yeah i don't know we've got so many good applications and um so many great partners this year so we're really excited to see what people bring to the table people are really excited about pride this year and we're excited to have them Speaking with Anna Kinderwater, manager of communications at Calgary Pride. And uh, a Pride event in, in Fort McLeod was disrupted by a smoke bomb this week. So, so to that point, what is being done to ensure the safety during Pride Week here in the city and, and the parade on, on Sunday? What sorts of measures are going to be in place there, uh, Anna? Yeah, absolutely. So we're actively collaborating with our security teams and the Calgary Police to address any concerns of, you know, potential danger. We definitely realize that folks, especially community members, um, for us are very stressed and it is a time of high stress for everybody um and so yeah we are our, 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 one of our major priorities is keeping people safe this year and we you know we recognize the level of threat that is kind of happening all over the province and especially in calgary um and so yeah we're working together and we're committed to ensuring that there's safety and well-being for all attendees and we're honoring our part in celebrating the spirits of unity and pride and also honoring you know pride's past with the police so we're doing what we can but our priority is that people are protected and you know at the end of the day we're here to celebrate and we want to show up loud and proud and we're encouraging a lot of folks to show up with friends family um, allies especially are very important this year because um, not only for folks in the community but you know um, maybe younger folks who haven't come out yet or people who are in the closet numbers and showing that we're loved no matter what's happening to us in the environment is really really important so we're really encouraging people showing up it's important this year please do yeah i love that anna that's what i was going to talk about because you know as part of the community i've walked in the parade many many times i've, I've watched it go by and we always get a huge huge crowd in the city of calgary because everybody is really an ally on board with this except for mm-hmm. unfortunately you know a vocal few so i think it is important you know if if, if you believe in you know just the whole concept of love is love and and really what does it matter who you love as long as you're loved and you give love to to come down and support and be part of it. Just walk along the route, stand, cheer. It's tons of fun again for the whole family. Candy gets thrown to the kids. It's like it's almost like a you know a, a Santa Claus parade in a way. It's just that much fun for everybody to take part with music, etc. And how other you know other ways can people practice their allyship when it comes to pride, particularly, but just year round. 
Yeah, of course. So, you know, um, I think a lot of important steps are honestly um, visual cues are really important. Um, if you're a business or if you are um, just a space that kind of lets in any sort of public audience, having some sort of display of allyship, like a flag, um, just small cues like that can really let folks know that, you know, like if something were to happen, you'll stand up for them in that environment. But also they just are welcome there and they'll be accommodated there. That's a huge one. Um, it can even be something as well as like having um, just a flag in your yard or up in your window, small things like that um and then yeah it's just always uh i think we always encourage at calgary pride to really if you're unsure about what's going on in the community or how to use pronouns or you know any questions to ask and really um educate yourself on those things because right the only way to dismantle those fears and um those hesitations about embracing each other is you know through learning about each other um so yeah we really encourage folks to learn what you can ask questions if you feel um like you're in a safe space to do that and yeah um any sort of visual support just through flags that's always something that really really helps people out and helps people know what they're safe love it and thanks for your time and uh, happy pride yeah absolutely we hope to see you there and thank you for having me that's anna kinderwater manager of communications calgary pride and you know with such a huge event hats go off to to, to planning something like this have you been down to much. the pride parade i know you have in the past no, no, i just stood on this yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've never been in the parade but yeah. yes because it was like and for me, it was hearing about it and then walking down on 17th out years ago. And I thought, what is going on here? And it, I know it's bigger and better than ever. But like you say, it really is that festival atmosphere. It is. If you maybe yeah. have preconceived notions of what you're going to see, it, it's a hoot and hollering time where, again, like you say, it's like the candy's being thrown. It's colorful. It's mm-hmm. loud. And it looks like I'm just going to take a look here. Yeah, just a slight chance of afternoon showers at this point. So it should be good. So yeah, it goes absolutely. Early, right. You know, there, there, there it is. Kicks so off at eleven a.m. I can imagine. Have you had any recent rain uh, events at, at the Pride Parade? Nothing. No. I mean, obviously, the sun always comes out, years. and sometimes a rainbow. <laughs> three years of rain <laughs> called pandemic. Um, yeah. But besides that, yeah. Which it's rain is why they moved Pride for us here in Calgary to when it is. Because in other places around the world, it's celebrated much earlier in the year, but it it never failed. It poured rain during parade here. So yeah. that's why the city moved it to this long weekend to celebrate. So September 2 and 3, Calgary Pride Weekend Festival, and then the Pride Parade will go on Sunday, 11 till 1. And it is just a ton of fun. Well, that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because there some, is some confusion, especially when people move move here and they say, well, what are we yeah. doing in June? Like, yeah. I, I'm so we confused. Like to spread as spread it out doing. as much as possible. Absolutely. And is that a bad thing? Nah. No. Who I doesn't love a parade and some fun? And one last, uh, you know, kick at the festival atmosphere before we get back back to school and really back at it, right?